Okay, uh, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yudalad. We're up to Yud Gimel Amud Bay's 13b towards the bottom. It says, um, it's continuing. Remember, the Mishnah mentioned um, that, well, that brings a quote from the Mishnah of a prophet in the middle of the chapters. You can ask, etc. Report a machlokes. What interruptions can you make when you're in the middle of Birchas Kriyachma and Kriyachma itself? And we said between, so we brought a two-way mashlokes. Um, between the paragraphs, um, between the paragraphs were a little bit lenient, then in the middle of a paragraph. According to, so now we mentioned Rebbe, uh, one second, yeah, Yeah. So the fir- the one opinion was Rebbe. The the first opinion was Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir says in the in between paragraphs. I mean between two paragraphs. I between two brachas or between Shema and Vayom Shemur. That's what I mean by between paragraphs. He says you can shoil mitnei kavod umayshiv, and then he said in the middle of a paragraph. I you said vafteis Hashem elokecha. And someone's walking past you, so that's in the middle of a paragraph. Um, Rabbi Yehuda said, uh, Rabbi Meir said, you can show You can greet someone out of respect, but not out of fear. But you can and you can respond. So now the Gemara wants to know what does it mean and respond? What response? Are you, what, what are you allowed to respond? What response are you allowed to say? So this is my matma. I'll, I'll mention. Meishiv machmas mai. Why are what response can you do? Who can you respond to? Says Eli, mamim now covered. If you want to say you can respond out of covered, I, you, in the middle of a paragraph, you can only greet someone, initiate the greeting out of yira, but you can respond. Maybe it's out of covered. Hashta meishil shoel aha dure mi. Sorry, this is sorry. This is between two, pro, between two paragraphs. Um, you can mibnei kovod will hash the mashil shoyel aduramim boy. If you're allowed to initiate a greeting out of kovod to someone, you're definitely allowed to return the greeting to them. That's much more lenient. It says ella shoyel mibnei kovod umeishu shalom lekoladam. So it must be that when he said, when Rabbi when Rabbi Meir said, you can ask out of um, honor. And then respond, it must mean you can respond to anyone. Anyone who greets you, you can respond to them. So, But then what about the second clause, which says in the, middle, in the middle of a paragraph, you can ask out of fear, and you can respond. He said, what, Who can you respond to? Maybe out of fear. Now that we said you can ask, you can initiate the greeting, obviously you'd be allowed to respond. So Elamim now covered. So it must be saying that you can respond out of honor. Well then Hainu the Rebuda, this is the exact same as Rebuda, the Tan Rebuda, I mean this is the second opinion we we've just discussed is Rebi Ma, where Rebihuda was the second opinion, he says, He says if you're in the middle of a paragraph, you can only initiate a greeting out of fear, but you can respond to anyone who you have to respect. And Rebbe May, um, and in the, if you're in between two paragraphs, you can ask, you can initiate a greeting to anyone of you have to respect, you have to show honor to, 
but you can, and you can respond, you can answer, return a greeting to anyone. But so how we've just explained Rabbi Meir, it's the exact same thing. We said when Rabbi Meir says you can ask out of Yura and answer, and ask out of Kovat and answer, we said the exact same as what does Umeishu, what does it mean respond? We said exactly the same as Rabbi Yura. So the Gemara answers, no, Chasur Tani. There's a little bit of a few words missing from the mission, and this is what it's saying. But prokim shalomim na kovet meishiv. In the middle of the paragraphs, you can ask out of. In between, sorry, in between two paragraphs, you can ask out of honor, and obviously you can return, respond out of meishiv. And in the middle of a paragraph, you can ask out of yura. And I don't have to tell you, obviously you can respond out of Yura. Divrei Rebbe Meir, that's Rebbe Meir's opinion. In the middle of a paragraph, you can initiate a greeting out of fear, and you can even respond out of Kovod of a prokim, and in the middle of a paragraph, in the middle of a paragraph, you can ask, initiate a greeting out of Kovod, and you, but you can, and you can respond to anyone. So, we, so what's actually Rebbe Meir saying? He's saying, yeah, he is saying kind of the obvious point. He's saying, you can ask in the, in the middle of a paragraph, you can only initiate a greeting out of fear. And then we will add response and respond. What he means is, and I don't have to tell you, obviously you can respond out of Yura, but only out of Yura. You can't respond in respect out of Kovod. Then it says, Tanya Nami Hachi. There's a price which teaches the same thing. I'm on the top of Yudal uh, Amud Aleph. Um, if you saying Kriyat Shema and you bump into your Rebbe or someone who's greater than you, if you're in between two paragraphs, you can ask out of honor and obviously you can respond in greeting. If they, if they greeted you, you can respond. And if you're in the middle of a paragraph, you can only initiate, great, initiate a greeting out of fear, and obviously you can respond out of fear. Div Rei Rebbe Meir, that's Rebbe Meir's opinion. Rebbe Huda, Oimer Rebbe Huda says, "Be'emsa shalomim na'ayira, umeishimim na'akovet, uprokim shalomim na'akovet, umeishiv shalom lecholotam." Rebbe Huda says, "In the middle of a paragraph, you can ask out of fear, and you can respond to anyone honourable. You can respond to, and in the middle of a paragraph, you can ask out of honour, and obviously you can initiate the greeting out of honour, and you can respond to anyone." How does Shulchan Aruch come out? So Shulchan Aruch paskins like Rabbi Yehuda, that's the second opinion, and he defines, well the Mishra Bura defines covered, who's covered? Any an elder person, I someone you have a mitzvah to honour, he says, um, or any, a regular Talmud Chacham, or a very wealthy person who because of his status is deserving of honor. That's what it means out of honor. What does it mean out of fear? The Shulchan Aruch says explicitly, someone you have the mitzvah of Yira. I, your Rebbe who taught you most of your Torah. Then he might not, after 50 years of learning, maybe he stayed where he, where he has been, but you've grown as a Talmud Chacham, so you're greater than him. Since he was the Rebbe who taught you the primary amount of Torah, the primary Gemara that you learned, He's your, you're obligated to honor, to fear him, Yira. You also have Yira to your parents. So that if your father walks into the room, in the, basically what Shulchan Aruch is saying, is if, the fa- if your father walks into the room, even if you're in the middle of a paragraph of Kriya Shema, you initiate a greeting. You say good morning. Um, yeah, you say good morning, you say Shalom Aleichem. Um, yeah, okay, there are a few other technical details in that. However, the Mishabura mentions that if the person is not particular, 
I can know my father. If my father knows I'm in the middle of davening, he does not expect me to greet him. He will not be insulted. I also know that if you guys walk into shul and see me saying Kriyashma and I don't greet you or you greet me and I don't respond, you'll realize I'm in the middle of Kriyashma and you won't get insulted then you should not actually interrupt your prayer to find greet them. And then we should bring it a step level, uh, 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 takes it a step further from the Achronim, that actually the Minag is in a shul at the time of davening, people do not greet each other. Yeah. And that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense why that Minag developed. And he says if that's the case, then it would be also to greet someone. So nowadays in our shuls at Zman Tfila, when people know when they walk into shul, people are saying Kriyachma, they say Birchat Kriyachma, I mean, even we haven't discussed Sukkot Zimmer, but Sukkot Zimmer also has similar laws, more lenient, but similar laws. Um, you don't greet people, and you don't, and also you don't expect a greeting. So therefore, if someone greets you, you don't necessarily have to greet them back. However, there would be a clear disclaimer on that, would be if there's someone who doesn't know about Shul. A more uh, traditional yes. Jew, secular Jew, or something like that, he walks into Shul, <coughs> you must greet him, you must make him feel welcome. I mean, I guess out of COVID, you can probably, it depends who it is, out of COVID, you might be able to initiate the <laughs> greeting, but at least respond in greeting would definitely fulfill, would be in line with the halakha, because um, especially if you're in the middle of the paragraph, because you can respond to anyone. Um, carrying on with the Gemara, it says, Boy, minay, echai, tana Interesting, echai, uh, uh, this, the sage named echai asked, who used to talk, teach prices in the yeshiva of Rabbi Chia, he asked Rabbi Chia. But remember, they used to have collections, the standard, I mean, oral Torah that was written down, at least in the time of the Amoraim, Rabbi Chia was borderline, was uh, the Mishnah. And then there were lots of price, uh, collections of prices, and there were certain Talmudim or certain sages who were experts at prices. It was almost their responsibility in the yeshiva. They were the books on the bookshelf. You needed to clarify a Mishnah. You'd go ask them if they knew a Brysa regarding it. You needed to clarify a Locha. You'd go ask them if they knew a Brysa. They were the experts in those. So that's what it, I think that's what it means. Tana Devei Rebichia, who used to teach. So this Echai, who used to teach prices in the yeshiva Rebichia, asked Rebichia, Bahalal of a Megillah Maoshi can you interrupt in Halal and the Megillah? Maybe if you can interrupt for Kriyachma, which is a mitzvah door, I say, Halal, Halal, me boy, Halal, which is only Drabonin, obviously you should be allowed to interrupt. Or deal more perhaps with Sumay Nisa Adif, we found Sumay Nisa, the mitzvah of saying Halal and Megillah is to publicize the miracle, to praise Hashem and glorify Hashem for the greatness of the miracle, that's uh, Adif. Um, Adif, it's better, more stricter than Kriyachma, and therefore you would not be allowed to interrupt in Halal. That's the question. And where else do we see that Pesumay Nisa has a very heavy weight? It says, for most mitzvahs, you only have to spend, okay, discussion exactly, but let's say up to a fifth of your money to fulfill a mitzvah. Lulav, too expensive, you only um, earn a thousand rand a month, and the Lulav costs you 300 rand. You don't have to spend the money to do the mitzvah of Lulav, you potter. However, with the Pisume Nisa, we find it says you must sell even the shirt off your back. I don't mean literally that far, but you have to sell everything to be able to fulfill Pisume Nisa. So we see Pisume Nisa does carry a heavy weight. Um, so what's the halacha? Do you interrupt? Can you interrupt to greet someone for Halal and Megillah? So then um, Omar Rabbah, yeah, something you have to analyze is why is Pisume Nisa so, 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 uh, 
so important. Mm-hmm. You can interrupt and there would be no issue with that. Um, Rabbi Yonah says that um, obviously you can't just interrupt for any reason. When he says there's no problem in that, it doesn't mean that you can do any interruption. It means there's no problem with interrupting like we said you can interrupt by Kriyashma. On days where an individual concludes Halal, between two different paragraphs of the halal, he can interrupt. In the middle of one paragraph, he cannot interrupt. On days when the yochid does not complete halal, even in the middle of the perik, a person interrupts. Now, obviously, we um, simply how we've learned is the interruptions that we've just mentioned. And um, what does it mean where a yochid interrupts and where a tzibur interrupts? Simply, it means the times that we say, when we say full halal, that would be the strict halal. And at times when we say, like on Rosh Chodesh, and all of Pesach except the first day of Pesach, when we say the abridged halal, then that would be what we call yochid. Tosfos goes into yeah, why is it called Yochid and Rabbim when on Sukkot, if you're not davening with a minion, you still have to say the whole of Halal. So why is it called that the Tzibur finishes? Everyone has to finish it. And Tosfos goes into that. Tosfos also goes into a very interesting question of Halal on Rosh Chodesh. Halal on those days of Pesach is called the Minag. Should you be saying a Brocha on it then? He brings, I think it's Machsov Vitri, which I think was a Talmud of Rashi. He says you don't say um, halal, you don't say a brach on halal on Rosh Chodesh. I mean, we have the minag to do. We follow Rabbi Nutam, who says you do. And Rabbi Nutam has his proofs, but he says you don't say a brocha on a minag, um, etc. Okay, very uh, lots to go into in that tosos, but I just wanted to bring out those, that those points are discussed. Um, <coughs> yeah, so, so he said that you can basically interrupt on days where um, where you say full halal, let's call it that, on days when we would say full halal, then you cannot interrupt at, um, unless it's you, you um, strictly one second you can only interrupt between two prokim, but if it's on a day when uh, only individuals <coughs> when we said when you say half Kaddish, that's how we explained it, you could interrupt so he says, "Ini vohor Rav Sheva ikle legave the Ravina." Rav Sheva went to Ravina. The yomim, ena yochid gomer sahalal, and it was a day when they don't conclude halal. The law possible, and Ravina didn't interrupt to greet Rav Sheva. So we see maybe you don't interrupt for halal. So he's saying he Rav Sheva the loy choshev alei Ravina. He wasn't compared to Ravina. Ravina he wasn't distinguished. There's no reason Ravina, he wasn't Mimna Kovot or Mimna Yira, so therefore Ravina didn't greet him. In, in regards to, Rav, to Ravina, obviously anyone else in Shul would have to greet Rav Sheva, but according to Ravina, he wasn't in, uh, in comparison to Ravina, and therefore Ravina did not have to greet him. But Ainachinam, you could greet in Halal. Um, interesting question that the Maharat Chayos goes into at the back, again, don't have time to discuss it, but Halal actually seems to be Doraisa. Granted, the institution of Halal is the Rabbon and the concept of saying Hallel for when Hashem does a miracles to save the whole of B'nai Israel is actually Doraisa. Um, so why here are we calling it the Rabbon? Okay, um, as I said, lots of interesting discussions that we don't have time to go into them. Boy minei ashian tanu devei Rebbe Ami, me Rebbe Ami. Rebbe Ashen, 
Ashen, who used to teach Bryce at the school of Rabbi Ami, asked Rabbi Ami, Hashorah Batanus Mal Shayitom. If someone's having a fast, are you, is he allowed to taste food? I to check if it's the right flavor. He's preparing a dish to break his fast on, and he wants to know, does it taste well? Does he need to add more salt or pepper? So, Achila Vashtia Kableolea. When a person, this say, yeah, uh, when he accepted this fast upon himself, that he just accept to not eat or drink, the whole lake and tasting food is not eating or drinking. Or maybe when he said, I accept upon myself self a fast, he was accepting, was all, accepting upon himself all benefit from food. He can taste it and there's no problem with that at all. Um, according, yeah, it says, we have a brisa in line with them. If someone just tastes food, they don't need to say a brocha. If someone's having a tanis, they don't have to taste any, they, um, they can taste the food to check that it has the right flavor, and there's no problem. How much are you allowed to taste? I said, look, I need a whole bowl of soup to check that it's got the right flavor. So, no, Rabbi Ami, Rabbi they used to only taste up until the revius. So you can only taste up until the revius, which generally say that's about 86 mils, between 86 to 87. Tos will say from here, by the fact that it says you wouldn't say a broch on it. Now we say, how much food, if you're going to eat a, eat food, how much food do you have to eat to say a broch on? To say a broch Even a tiny amount. If you're going to taste a tiny little thing and you're doing it because it's delicious and you want to eat it, obviously if you want to eat it and you take a tiny little raisin or half a raisin, whatever yeah. it is, and eat it, you'd have to say a bracha. Yeah. So but the fact here that it's comparing when you don't have to say a bracha must be where you're tasting it and spitting it out. That's how Tosos learn, and that would be the simple psak, obviously the other is shunning, but that's, uh, so here where we discuss, yeah, you can put a whole spoonful of the soup in your mouth to taste if it needs more salt, but you would have to spit it out, that's... Uh, that's Tosfos. Yeah, is this just for the personal fast or is it all fast? Very good question. Uh, from Al Gomorrah, it's more mashma personal fast, but they do discuss these halachas in regards to a communal fast as well. Some say it's any of the lenient fasts except Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, um, except, uh, but those are, yeah, those are more detailed. Omar Rav. Now, yeah, very interesting point here is why, why is this peace brought you? Yeah, what's so the one, com- forgot the, what, the one commentator at the back says, I'll tell you an important principle. The Gomorrah takes the opportunity to bring in more halachas built on small connections. So for example, it was a, one of the, those used to teach, the, the previous piece was Rav Echa, who used to teach prices in the school of Rabbi Chia, asking Rabbi Chia, oh, I have a different teaching which starts the same way. It's a, one who used to taught prices in the school of Rabbi Ami, Ask Rabbi Ami. So it's a very similar start to the discussion. It says, let me bring it in now. The Gomorrah is into this bringing a tangent. So I guess it caters for ADD people who like to jump around a bit. Keep, you know, you can't stay on one topic for too long. So it, it has that style. I mean, there, there is other reasons it does it like that. But that would be one of the ways that's uh, the Gomorrah style. And you'll notice that throughout Shas, it brings in a piece that's seemingly unconnected. Sometimes it's just because it's the same tradition, the same person who's teaching it to us. Sometimes it's a similar posse, some, you know, very, almost seemingly weak connections. It brings in a new sugya. Someone who greets his friend before davening, it's like building a bama. Shenemar, as the posse says, refrain from being with people. Asher neshama ba'apoh who has a neshama um, in himself, 
Ki bamei nechshav hu. What value does it have? And al tikri bamei el Don't read it as bamei. Read it as bama. What's a bama? So bama is outside the base of midrash. From when the base of midrash was built, the only place you're allowed to offer sacrifices is a mizbeach. It's also to offer it. If you go greet someone before davening, it's like taking away. You should be offering your tefillahs to Hashem. You're not supposed to do stuff before davening, and therefore you're offering. Um, you're, it, there's a correlation to offering on a bama. Shmuel says you can read it as it is bamei, because what value is it that you're going to greet a person before? Be showing covered to a person. That's what greeting is, showing covered respect to a person before you go and greet Hashem. It says, If you're in the middle of the paragraph, you're allowed to um, initiate a greeting out of honor and respond. We see that you can greet someone before Kriyat I mean, you just told me until you finish davening, Tefillah would actually generally refer to the Amidah. You're not allowed to greet someone, but here we see you do. So, No, the issue is when you go to his door to greet him. So Shulchan Aruch comes out, I mean, if you analyze the Gemara, it's quite straightforward from the Gemara, but basically, um, that from the Zaman of Tefillah, you're not allowed to go out, go to someone's house to greet them. You're not allowed to go out of your way to greet them. Or you're coming before Zaman Tefillah, you see your friend walking to Shul, let's assume it's before davening, because obviously you're not going to be talking during davening, you're not allowed to go walk up to him and greet him. If you just pass by someone, or you happen to see someone, then you are allowed to greet them. And then Shulchan Aruch brings a, a, a next step. However, you're not allowed to greet them with Hashem's name, um, with Shalom. Because you don't want, that's uh, disrespectful to convey Brocha with Hashem's name on him when you haven't even approached to Hashem. Good shab- so that's what you say, good morning. Mm-hmm. Hello, how are you? Good morning. But you can't say, and again, that's only someone you happen to meet. Or if you, let's say you need to go to their house to get something else or to do something else, and then they obviously open the front door to you, then you can greet them. But you would never be allowed to go out of your way to go to greet someone, even to say, just say good morning and not say shalom. If, sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. Omar Ravidi Baravin, skip the brackets. Omar Ravidi Baravin, Omar Rev. You're not allowed to do your personal things before davening. As it says, of anyone who davens first and then goes on his way, then does what he needs to do, Hashem grants, um, does what he wants to do. Okay, this is again the teaching, which I'm sure we're going to more depth, is what, you're, what you are allowed to do and not allowed to do before davening. But anything that's taking care of your own business needs, your own uh, things you should not be doing, eating, etc., you should not be doing before davening. Anyone who sleeps without, without dreaming for sleep, uh, goes to uh, over seven days and doesn't have a dream, he's called evil. Shenemar, as the Apostle says, um, literally someone will rest and feel refreshed, and no evil will visit him. But he says, 
Sheva. Don't read it as Sofa, rather Sheva. Sheva. So you read the pasuk as Veshava Yalin Bali Pokaid. If he sleeps for seven days without any meeting or any dreams, raw. It's bad for him. Anyone who fills himself with words of Torah and then goes to sleep, he won't hear bad news. It says, if he goes to sleep satiated, satiated from what? Satiated from Torah, no evil will visit him. He won't, uh, he won't have bad news. Then the Mishnah went on to say what is Bain Haprokim, etc. The halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, who said that you should not interrupt between Emes V'yatsev. Strictly speaking, between the end of Shema, Hashem Elokeichem, and V'yatsev V'nochon is two separate paragraphs. However, Rabbi Yudin, our Mishnah says we don't interrupt between them. Om Rabbi Yudin, Om Rabbi Yudin, my time at Rabbi Yudin, what's the reason for Rabbi Yudin? Dixiv, as there's another posuk in Yirmiyahu, Ma'ashem Elokeichem Emes, Ha'ashem Elokeichem Emes. So we want to read the posuk of, at the end of Kriyashma, to also fit in with this posuk of Yirmiyahu. It seems because it's very important for us to be aware, Ha'ashem Elokeichem Emes, the ultimate truth. Everything else is a bit distorted, a bit unclear. The ultimate truth is Hashem. So we want to always bring that into our day and read the Pasuk like Yirmiyahu, and that's why you're not allowed to interrupt between them. And then it says, Choyzev Oymer Emes, or Eino Choyzev Oymer Emes. Yeah, I wasn't clear on this. Arshul seemed to learn this as the Shliat Sibur. Does he repeat Emes, or does he not repeat Emes? So, Omer Rebivu, Omer Rebiyochanan, Choyzev Oymer Emes, Rabbi Omer Eino Choyzev Oymer Emes. Rebiyavu, Omer Rebiyochanan says that he does repeat Emes. And Rabbi Omar, he does not repeat Emes. There was someone standing before Rava. Sorry, the Rabbi. Shmai Rabbi the Omar Emes Emes. Trezimni Rabbi heard him say Emes twice. No, sorry. Someone went down. That refers to a Shliat Sibur. Because they used to always have their bimas in a depression in the ground. So it's always used as a phrase. Nochis uh, before the Aaron or Nochis before the Tzibur, he would go down. That's representative of the of the Shliat Tzibur. So there was a Shliat Tzibur davening before Rabbi. Rabbi was in Shul, says, and Rabbi heard him say, "Emes, Emes." He repeated "Emes." Trace him the twice. So Amar Rabbi called "Emes, Emes." Tafselahu. Shame, he's got a he's stuttering over the word "Emes." Something like that. He's just uh, mumbling "Emes, Emes, Emes" unnecessarily. Um, they bring out that Alminag to say Hashem Elokeichem Emes is not a problem. The Shliat Sibur always ends off Hashem Elokeichem Emes. That's not a problem. The problem is to say Hashem Elokeichem Emes and then Emes again. But to say Hashem Elokeichem Emes and then the Shliat Sibur to come along and say Hashem Elokeichem Emes, like our practice, that is not a problem. Omar of Yosef, Omar. The following sugya that Rav Shmuel by Yehuda taught us is Omri Bamarovi said, I said in Eretz Yisrael, Arvis, Dabera B'nai Yisrael, Marto Alahem, skip the rest, Ani Hashem Elokeichem Emes. In Eretz Yisrael, at Mar, at the, in the, the times of the Amoraim, at Mariv, they used to just say, remember, how does Vayomer start? The third paragraph of Shema starts, Vayedaber Moshe Bnei Yisrael. And it says, Daber Bnei Yisrael Vamar Talohem. And then they would skip, they would say that possible, Daber Yisrael Vamar Talohem, skip the rest and say, Ani Hashem Elokeichem Emes. So he says, So, Omar Le'abaya Ma'amal Yusa. 
What's so amazing about that? We learned that from Rav Kahan in the name of Rav that you, shouldn't, you don't have to begin the third paragraph of Shema because it's not relevant to Kriyat Shema. What's it? it's, rele- it's not relevant to the night, it's relevant to the day. It's the Pasha of Tzitzis. So you don't have to begin it. But if you do begin it, then you have to finish it. And here we see that in Eretz Yisrael, they'd start, they'd, they'd start it. They would... Um, um, and then they wouldn't finish it. So he says, Maybe you'll say that it doesn't saying for Omar to Alehem doesn't count as starting this paragraph. Why? Because it's very generic. We see many times in the Chumash Omar to Alehem. So it's not counted as uh, starting the paragraph. There's no, Just the first pasuk of Daber B'nei Yisrael does not count as beginning the paragraph. But saying for Marto Lehem is at Cholam. <coughs> so Amarav Papa calls over Marav Amart Elo Kim Avamarta Alehem Nami Lo Have at Cholam Ad Omar Vasulem Tzitzis. Now in Eretz Yisrael they hold also Marto Alehem is not considered at Cholam. So interesting enough, what's the Machloikas? So again, what were we? What were we saying? Um, we know that if you start the third paragraph of Shema Nach, you have to finish it. Sounds like in Eretz Yisrael they used to start the first paragraph of Shema and they wouldn't finish it. They'd skip to the end. So what's going on? So he says, no. In Babel, they used to hold that as soon as you say Vomar Tolehem, that counts as starting the paragraph. In Eretz Yisrael, they hold that doesn't count as starting the paragraph. It really only kicks off when you say Vosula and Tzitzis, when you go into what's unique to that paragraph. That's starting the thing. So it's like actually Machloikis of the Babylonians and the Talmudim and the Talmud HaKhom in Yisrael, what's considered starting the paragraph. Therefore, Omar Apopo Kosovri B'marov of Marto I'm sorry, that's wrong. So Omar Abaya, Abaya says, Hilkach Ananat Chuleimat Chilinan. According to us, it counts as starting Kriyashma. As soon as you say for Marto Lehem, according to us in Babel, it counts as starting Kriyashma. To call Matchilei B'marov, which is again starting with the same two lines as they started in Eretz Yisrael, the Kivent At Chilinan, but once you've started it, again, according to Babel, this counts as starting Kriyashma, the third paragraph, Migma Nami Gamrinan, we would finish the whole paragraph, Toma Ravkana Marav, Lo Yatrilim Hitril Gomai. Ravkana is in the name of Rav, you mustn't, you don't have to begin the third paragraph, but if you do begin it, then you have to finish it, say the whole parsha. So again, so just in summary, in Eret, um, everyone agrees that if you start the third paragraph of Kriyashma at night, you have to finish it. The question is, what's considered starting it? So in Eretz Yisrael, they hold saying the pasuk Vamar Tolehem doesn't count as starting it. Therefore, they don't have to say the whole parasha. In Babel, they hold that that does count as starting it. So therefore, once they say Vamar Tolehem, which they would want to say, then you have to finish the whole parasha. And that's obviously yeah, our traditional culture. Pardon? Oh, we'll come to that. Chiyabar Rav Omar. Omar Ani Hashem Lokeichem Tzorik Loimar Hermes. Chibarav taught that if one says Ani Hashem Elokeichem, he has to say Emes. Lo Omar Ani Hashem Elokeichem, ain't not so Emes. If he does not say Ani Hashem Elokeichem, he doesn't say the third paragraph of Shema. He doesn't have to say Emes. But don't you have to say Yetzias Mishraim? We know it's a mitzvah. We learned the Mishnah a few times. Call your Mechayecho. You also have to mention Yetzias Mishraim at night. Says the Omar Hachi Moidim Anach Luloch Hashem Elokeinu Shetzisenu Meeris Yisraim Muftainu Beis Avadim Vosolon Inisim Vuras Alayam Vesharanu Lechot. Are you just instead of saying the third paragraph of Shema, just open the bracha of? Um, sorry, sorry. Open the bracha of uh, of not, not Moidim. It, I mean, it starts off Moidim, but it's expressing Yetzias Mishraim that he took us out of Mitzrayim, he redeemed us from slavery, he did many miracles and mighty things by the sea. He did many miracles for us, he did Burus by the Yam, and we sang to him. Mention that and then go into 
emes ve'emuna, I guess we're discussing now, so emes ve'emuna, and that would be Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, so that's how you would cover for that. Now the Gemara is going on to Omar Ibn Yishur, the next quote of the Mishnah is Omar Ibn Yishur, why does it start with Shema? Now we said, Rabbi Yishu ben came along and says, why does it, again, the order in the Chumash is, if you're following the Pasha Chumash, is Vayomer is in Bamidbar, then Shema is in the beginning of Dvarim, and Vahoyom Shemur is in the middle of Dvarim. So it says, why do we start with Shema? Obviously not to do with the order, because then we would have started with Vayomer. So it says, no, Rabbi Yishu ben taught, first you accept Omal Chushamayim, that Hashem is the king, then you accept there is the obligation to do mitzvahs, and then you can, what do you say about uh, Vayomer? Then you can discuss mitzvahs. Then we discuss the mitzvah. Um, let me just confirm that. Oh, sorry, because Vayomer, um, Vayom Shomor discusses learning Torah, which is relevant to day and night, and Vayomer discusses tzitzis, which is only relevant to the day. So that's, the, that's why Rabbi Shulman Korcha mentioned, uh, that's the order of Rabbi Shulman Korcha. One should start say Shema This is discussing learning and this is discussing teaching. The reason to say Vayom Shema before Vayomer, the third paragraph, is because this is regarding teaching and this is regarding doing the action uh, it's okay that the logical progression is first you have to learn Torah then you can teach it and then you can go and do the actions um, yeah, we'll see the psukim soon you're telling me in the first paragraph it only discusses learning but it doesn't discuss to teach and to act it says it says you shall teach it to your children and it also says you must Tie on your tefillin and write a mezuzah. We see it does discuss action as well. You're telling me that the last paragraph only does, the third, the second paragraph for your only discusses to teach and doesn't discuss to act. It also says you must tie on your tefillin and write a mezuzah. It also discusses action, doing mitzvahs. So El Hachi Kamar, this is what Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai actually said. It makes sense to start with Shema because the first paragraph of Shema discusses the concept of learning, teaching, and acting. And it makes sense to, start, uh, to say Vayom Shema before Vayom Shema because this has the discussion of teaching Torah and acting, doing mitzvahs. And Vayomer, the third paragraph, only has action. Bilvad. Now the Gemara asks, What's wrong with Rabbi Yishuah ben Korcha's explanation? That first you accept Omar Choshamayim, then you accept to do mitzvahs, and then you can discuss doing the mitzvahs. So why, why did Rabbi Shimon Yochai see necessary to give another answer? Why, we, why do we have to bring another explanation? That No, it's because it mentions learning, teaching, and action, and then only teaching and action and then only action. Why? It says, no, it's Chada Vod Kamar. It's giving us two reasons. Chada, firstly, Kadesh Yikabal, Lord of Malchus Shomayim, Tchilav Achat, Kachikabal, Lord of all mitzvahs, Vo'id Mishum, Ze'isbei, Hani, Mili, Achronaisa. And then there's the second explanation. So, they're both good explanations of the order, one built on the other. Again, obviously, there's deeper ideas to going to what exactly they mean, but let's go on. Ramashi, now it says, Ramashi, Yodai, Vakora, Kriyashma, Vana, Tfilim, Vatsari. Rav would wash his hands when he went, wake up, you've do Negovasa, say Kriyachma, and then put on his tefillin and say the Amida. 
Now, for Hechi Ovid Hachi, how could he do such a thing? Well, Tanya, we learned in Raisa, Chaifer Koich Lemais Bekir Potter. If someone's digging a chamber in the wall to put a dead, remember they used to bury their dead in the walls of caves. So, if someone's busy doing that, Potomi Kriyashma, Uminat Fili, is exempt from Kriyashma and Tfila, Uminat Filin, and from Tfilin, who call mitzvahs, Aumaruba Torah, and all mitzvahs mentioned in the Torah. Why again? How I say for mitzvah, Potomi Mitzvah is busy getting a grave ready for a deceased person. That's the mitzvah he's involved in. He gives man Kriyashma Oile, Venoitel, Yorov, Omeniat Filin, Vakoya Kriyashma Yuzbalel. When he gets up, then. When it comes the time of Kriyat Shema, he gets up, he goes, he washes his hand, puts on tefillin, and he says, Kriyat Shema, and he davens. Now, before we go any further, the Gemara asks for Kufakasha, that's intrinsically contradictory. Reisha, Omer Potur, Vesayifah Chayav. The Reisha said, you don't have to say Kriyat Shema. It says, if you're in the middle of preparing this grave, you don't have to exempt from Shema, tefillin, and all mitzvahs. As we said, then it comes along and says, when the time for Shema comes, you have to go and say Kriyat Shema. But you just told me you're exempt. So, Holo, Kasha, Seifah, Betray, Vereisha, Bechad. The first one is discussing where there's one person digging the grave. So if he stops, it's going to delay the burial. The second part is where there are two people available. So one can stop and the other one can continue. And then the other one, obviously it's a case where only one's necessary or only one can dig at the same time. Which I guess if you're digging into a cave wall, how do you get two people to go dig there? Maybe that, uh, that would be shut. Um, so that's the first. Okay, so now we understand the bracer. But Mikol Mokom Kashal Rav, this is difficult to conjure Rav because Rav would say Kriyashma, then put on his Tfilin, and then Davin. And here it says that you first put on your Tfilin, then you say Kriyashma, and then Tfila, and then Amira. So he says, No, Rav, No, Rav held first, you accept upon yourself, and then you can start doing the mitzvahs. So you first say Kriyashma. Accept Hashem as king and the old mitzvahs, and then you put on your tefillin and you daven. No, we know Rabbi Yeshua said regarding reading, saying the Kriyachma, there's the specific order of all Machushamai, then all mitzvahs, etc. But who says that he holds you actually do the Kriyachma before putting on your tefillin? Just before, because conceptually, when you're saying Kriyachma, it makes a lot of sense to. First, accept Hashem as king and then to put on tefillin. That doesn't necessarily mean say Kriyashma before doing other mitzvahs. They're not mutually exclusive doing, doing a mitzvah before saying Kriyashma. So this is, um, says, but two and secondly, me sovereign like Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcho. Does Rav actually hold like Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcho? Rabbi Chia Barashi says, Sometimes I was before Rav. He would wash his hands and say a bracha, umas nilon pirkin, then he would give a shir, umonach tefillin, and then he would put on tefillin, vahadar kari kriyachma, and then say shma. We see that firstly, Rav gave a shir before kriyachma often, and that's, that's a mitzvah before kabbalah's omakushamayim. According to how we wanted to say, no. But the fact that in shma you say omakushamayim, and then you omakush mitzvahs vahoyah, must be you always have to say Kriyashma accept Hashem as king before doing any mitzvahs. But we see Rav himself used to do mitzvahs before Kriyashma. So definitely we don't understand Rav. How could Rav go against this price and say Kriyashma, then put on his tefillin and then Davin Amida? He should have put on his tefillin, then said Kriyashma and <coughs> Davin Amida. Says Kriyashma, maybe you'll say it before Kriyashma. That's why Rav. Um, 
put on his uh, taught Torah before and put on his tefillin before saying Kriyashma because it was too early. He says, Imkain, Hamasada says, Rav Chia Barashi, well then what's Rav Chia Barashi coming to teach us? Rav Chia says, sometimes I was before Rav and he used to do the Seder of events. There's no Chirush in, his, uh, in, in that. So he says, no, Rafuka Miman to Omar, the Talmud, Ein Tzorich Lavarech, Kamash Malanda Af, the Talmud, Nami Tzorich Lavarech. No, what Reb Barash is coming to teach us is that Rav used to say Birchas HaTorah. He would say his bracha before giving his shir. I remember we learned there's a whole machloikas. When are you obligated to say Birchas HaTorah? Do you only say Birchas HaTorah on written Torah or even on oral Torah? And Rav would say the bracha even on oral Torah. So that's, he's not coming to teach us the chidush that he would put on his tefillin before saying Kriyachma. No, he's coming to teach us that he would say Birchas HaTorah before giving his shir. That's the novelty of his teaching. Okay, Mikol Malkom Kashel Rav. Still, at the end of the day, why did Rav not put on his tefillin first? His obvious. No, his messenger messed up. He asked someone to get his tefillin, and they took to, or he forgot. His, I don't know if he forgot his tefillin at home, or someone was supposed to bring them to him, and they took too long. And he says, "Well, it's getting late. I'm going to miss my kriyashma. I better say kriyashma." And that's obviously what you do. Ideally, as we're going to see now. Um, you should say uh, um, you should be wearing your tefillin when you say kriyachma and obviously Rav would have done that but you never miss my kriyachma to put on tefillin so if you don't have tefillin say kriyachma and then put them on later in the day that's what happened there Rav couldn't let's quickly do a few more lines Omar Ula kolakari kriyachma beloi tefillin ke'ilu made eidu sheka b'azmo Ula said that someone who says kriyachma without wearing tefillin it's like he's testifying falsely on himself well, there's, one is that he's testi- two different shatim. One is testifying against himself. I, because he, this seems to be how I understood Rabbi Yonah. He's saying, I accept all my chushamayim, you know, but I'm not going to put on filling, which is discussed in the first paragraph. The first paragraph says put on filling. He says, no, I accept Hashem as king, but I'm not going to put on filling. Well, you, you yourself are a liar. If you accept all my chushamayim, then you would put on filling. You would have put on filling. So, one second. Omar Bar, or the other chat is, is actually testifying falsely against Hashem. He's saying, yeah, uh, I don't really accept you as my king. No, because included in, we know that you have to do the mitzvah of tefillin. So to go, in the psukim you're saying. Okay, but, uh, but I'm saying, saying Kriyachma in the morning is not the first time you've heard of the obligation to put on tefillin. Yeah, um, says, Omar Bichir Bar, Omar Bichir Ke'ilu Hikriv Oila Belo Mincha Vezevach Belo Nesochim. It's like offering an oiler without the accompanying flower offering and a sacrifice without the accompanying wine libations. It's an incomplete kriyachma. Not only, not, never, never mind you, okay, you said kriyachma, but you didn't put on filling, okay, you did one good thing and one bad thing. You actually did an incomplete kriyachma. Rabbi Yonah says here, he says, the kivain, um, since you're reading this about putting on tefillin and you don't have them on, because he's testifying about himself that what he says himself is not true. 
I read that it says put on filling, but I don't wear filling myself. Um, I granted he's doing the mitzvah Kriyashma. There's another aspect that he's not doing it correctly. Uh, there's two independent points. He's got one point in his favor and one point against him. He says, mm-hmm. Even the mitzvah that he did is incomplete. Okay, since he's not really accepting it's like someone who's offering an incomplete sacrifice. Let's just read a little bit further. I'm not going to do it carefully. But just to get the next point, very, uh, very important point. How do you do complete acceptance of Olcho Shemaim? You want to do it in a complete way. You first, okay, obviously do your needs, go to the bathroom, wash your hands, put on tefillin, then say Kriyashma, then Davin. That is Malchu Shemaim Shleima. Okay, then basically the Gomorrah. It says, It's like he built a Mizbech and offered a Korban. As it says, When I wash my hands and turn to you, I turn to you, and I encircle you, Mizbech. Maybe it doesn't mean literally wash his hands, but it's as if he went to mikveh, even better. Okay, but either way, Rabbi Yonah says a beautiful idea. Yeah, why is this the complete way? Why is wearing tefillin and saying kriyachma the complete way to do the mitzvah? So Rabbi Yonah explains very beautifully. He says, Tama dovor. When you put on your tefillin on your head, you're attaching your neshama, your intellect to Hashem. You're binding your intellect and subjecting yourself, your, your mind and your neshama to Hashem, which is all in the brain. And in your arm tefillin, you're binding your body to Hashem because your arm tefillin is by your heart, which represents your physical desires, your physical um, existence. Mm-hmm. That's why we commanded to put our tefillin opposite the heart, because that is the ikar, the essence of our through this you remember the Creator, the Yimetanosov, and diminish your own personal desires. Of the mezuzah, okay, then he takes it a step further. Mezuzah meshabed with mezuzah, but that's at a totally different time, a way of fulfilling the mitzvah. But mezuzah, you're also binding your money, your house to Hashem. Um, when you say with this representation with this that you've bound your neshama and your guf your intellect and your physicality to Hashem that is the complete way of when you show that yes I've bound I've bound myself to Hashem and then you say Kriyat and Davin, that is the ultimate way to do it. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's a beautiful idea on what does it mean, Kabbalah Sofumah and why we're so strict to make sure to put on our tefillin for Kriyat and Vishmona Esrei. One point we did that, or I was hoping to get to discuss, but we didn't, is what happens if you only get your tefillin, like Rav's case, he only got his tefillin after Kriyat can you interrupt the Birchas Kriyatma?
to say the bracha or not? Is there a difference between tefillin and tzitzis? Or do you put them both on with a bracha? Do you put them on without a bracha? Etc. That uh, Tosus discusses a bit earlier on.